I see a lot of people today, you know, we've, we've put secondary education, college degree up on this pedestal. And when people finish their course in college, they quit learning. And it's one of the biggest catalysts to making you unproductive for the rest of your life. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon with fellow co-host here at OGGN, Colin McClellan. You're also the manager partner at Deep Rock, right? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Yeah. So how's it going? It's going great. Great. Business is booming. A lot of emerging technology coming into oil and gas. So it's exciting times. Yeah. And it, it was kind of hard to get, get you on the show. So I appreciate you taking the time to... Hey, I'm happy to be here. It's always good spending time with you. So... Oh, yay. <laughs> Julie, don't hate me. <laughs> And if everybody doesn't know, Julie McClellan is actually married to Colin, so yeah. our boss. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a powerhouse behind OGGN. She does yeah. a lot of work. So. Yeah, she does. She does a wonderful job. <laughs> so before we get into it, I wanted to ask everyone to support the show by taking a few minutes to leave a review in iTunes. So let me read this week's reviews. So great voice, five stars by Savannah underscore XX. I love topics this podcast covers. It's engaging and keeps me coming back for more each week. And then we've got another five-star review from Crappie69. I don't know that I have ever been more drawn to a podcast in this industry. Paige must be one of the top interviewers and always keeps you at the edge of your desk waiting to hear what is the next question will be. I love this girl. Thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate that. You too can leave a review and I'll read it on the show. So, Colin, let's discuss how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, I'll give you a little backstory. So been in oil and gas for almost 10 years, born and raised in West Texas, graduated high school in Midland, Texas in 2008. And right out of high school, went into the oil field, started roughnecking for Savannah Energy and roughnecked on drilling rigs for a couple of years. And then Worked my way up the ladder. My last position was with a company, Inventure Global Technology, who's owned by Shell. Was a project manager for them, managing drilling and completion projects across the Western Hemisphere. And at that time, I was studying a lot of emerging technology, and it seemed like every corner that I turned that there was a place that we could be using these outside technologies within oil and gas. So started Deep Rock Advisors, and at Deep Rock Advisors, we help consult emerging technologies that are wanting to implement into oil and gas. So there's a big disconnect between the oil and gas industry and technology companies. Technology companies think they can come in and solve all of oil and gas problems, but they don't know anything about oil and gas. And oil and gas thinks that they can be using some new technologies, but they don't know anything about those new technologies. So there's a uh, big miscommunication between the two. So almost a, just a communication barrier. It, it really is. You know, neither side understands the other. So you need people that understand a little bit of both to help bridge that gap. Okay. So how do you go about figuring? So you're kind of the middleman between the oil and gas industry and the technology industry. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Have you been in the field? Yep. Yep. So, you know, that, that's 
one of the big value adds that I bring to the table is that I've done 10 years in the field. You know, I've been on all the drilling rigs, on all the frack jobs, doing a lot of the production work. So I understand from, you know, at least from the upstream sector, I understand from firsthand experience the problems that these companies deal with out in the field and how we can use technology to solve those problems. And that's something, you know, it's funny because Google was actually at a uh, forum here in Houston talking about how oil and gas has a data problem and Google's going to come solve all of oil and gas's technological problems. And it's kind of laughable because they don't have the slightest clue about what goes on in oil and gas. So it's good, you know, from my background, having that firsthand field experience and being able to kind of be able to relate that to both sides. Well, I know Google already knows probably a crap load about me. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. that they're coming into our realm and in our industry. Yeah, you and don't, trying you to... don't want to pick a bone with Google because they have a lot of data on you. So <laughs> you don't want to be on their bad side. I almost feel like that might be blackmail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So explain what Deep Rock is and, and what you are doing. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that I'm a co-host on OGGN. So we'll be starting up a show, Oil and Gas Startups, which will be hosted by myself and Jake Corley. And, you know, our vision is really to kind of bridge the gap between quote unquote Silicon Valley and oil and gas. We're both very forward thinkers when it comes to the application of technology within oil and gas. And we've started, you know, we've seen like Houston in particular has a whole bunch of talent and opportunity with all these startups, but they have a hard time getting access to funding. You know, we have some oil and gas focused venture capital groups, but there isn't a big supply of money to kind of fund all of these startups that are in the space. And on the other hand, you have Silicon Valley where you've got a lot of venture capital money, but they don't understand what's going on in oil and gas and how oil and gas is kind of going under this technological revolution. So it's always been a big vision of ours to kind of bridge the gap between the two. So not only, you know, at Deep Rock Advisors, not only do we want to help emerging technology implement into oil and gas, we want to help the oil and gas startups that already have the experience in the space get access to capital and some exposure from outside the industry. Awesome. That's definitely kind of different realm of it's two complex industries. Yeah. It, it takes a lot to understand both. And I don't think there's anybody that understands one fully. So it's a good spot for us to be into where we understand a little bit of each and we can help kind of bridge that gap for everybody. Yeah. So so you've actually got your hand in a couple of different pops. You're you're kind of everywhere. Um, um yep. Yeah. Yep. You're so also an operator. Least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we also own some wells up in Oklahoma too under River Oaks Natural Resources. So. Yeah, and you're in charge of that. Yeah, so we're we're busy. Yeah. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, it took a lot to get you even on here. In fact it's a Saturday. So that's that's no, different. No. I never <laughs> putting in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my check? Where's my check? <laughs> So now that we've established your start, let's go through some of the, the big challenges you've had to go through to get to where you are now. Yeah, some of the big challenges, me personally. So, you know, there, there's a couple different challenges that I've faced. So like I said, I, I went straight out of high school into field operations, roughnecking, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast are familiar with mm -hmm. roughnecks do. It's not exactly a glamorous job. You know, it's very blue collar, not very well respected. So some of the challenges that I've faced 
in my early days was not getting respect from my colleagues and peers because, you know, I didn't take the route of going to college and becoming a petroleum engineer or something of that sort of geologist. So that was some challenges that I faced early on in my career. You know, as, as things progressed, it didn't really matter as much anymore, but that was, that was one of the biggest barriers. And then I've had failed business opportunities in the past too, which I take those as learning lessons. So, you know, getting over those types of things, those were challenges for me in my early days. So got off, started off in drilling operations right out of high school, went roughnucking on drilling rigs, had a blast doing that. It was tough, probably the hardest job I've had working over a hundred hours a week on a drilling rig in West Texas. You can imagine the weather conditions aren't the most favorable. It's either, it's either really hot or really cold, depending on uh, what time, what time of the day and the season it is. So did that for a couple of years and, you know, I, I had a lot of lessons that I was taught out there. I saw my motor man, who's a good friend of mine, almost lose his life. He actually lost a few fingers, got sucked into the draw works of the rig and that really opened my eyes and was a big thing that I took away moving forward in the oil field because I realized just how dangerous the oil business was. And from that day, I've had a major focus on safety. So had my first kid, decided, you know, a little dangerous, maybe should figure out something else. Yeah. And at that point, I thought I had a good knowledge base of drilling. So I wanted to go learn the completion side. So went and got into wireline, went and got my CDL, learned how to drive a semi-truck. Awesome. Learned how to handle explosives. I was actually licensed by the ATF to carry explosives, if what? that's a scary thought for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so at that point, uh, I was doing a lot of frack work, doing a lot of stage work out in West Texas. And this is right in the boom, you know, I think probably around 2011, 2012. And it was just crazy working 120 hours a week doing these frack jobs. And did that for a couple of years as well. Got a lot of good knowledge of the completions process. And, you know, this whole time I've, I'm in the oil business, I always like I was treating this as my formal education. And instead of going to college, I could use my field experience. I always knew I wanted to own my own oil companies, my own EMP. And so I just took this as a paid education. So I went and learned the drilling process, went and learned the completions process. I was running wildline for a couple of years. And then with the boom, things just got crazy out in Midland and there wasn't a place for us to live. There was, know. Yeah, there's a 99% occupancy rate in all the apartments and rentals. And so I just packed it and left. My wife was eight months pregnant with our second child. And we just threw our stuff in a U-Haul and we drove down to South Texas, <laughs> went, <laughs> went down to Victoria. And it was a big change for us because thing is, is if you grow up out in West Texas and Midland, Odessa area, it's kind of like a black hole. Like you just get stuck there and you never leave because there's so much opportunity there in the oil and gas business that once you get into it, it's almost impossible to ever get out. And we just on a whim packed up our stuff, left. Our family wasn't too happy about it. Both of our families live there in Midland. My wife didn't have a doctor down there in South Texas for her baby. So uh, it's kind of a stressful time. And, you know, we moved down to Victoria and Victoria wasn't much better. We got into an apartment that was below our standards, you know, it was infested yeah. with bugs and everything. And it was just a crazy time. And anyways, just kept working, kept running wireline down there. And then I got a call from Adventure Global Technology and they're like, hey, we want to move you up to Houston and give you a project manager role. I was like, damn, that sounds pretty good. Okay. They gave me a moving package and everything. So six months after we moved to Victoria, we packed up our stuff again and moved up to Katy, which is on the west side of Houston. And 
spent the next four years running expandable casings. So expandable casings are really cool technology. Loved working for them venture. They're a really good company. Treated me, I mean, just unbelievably well. But I started seeing you have these technologies like expandable casing, which solves such a deep problem in oil and gas, but it's never had any market penetration. You mm-hmm. know, and venture had been around 15 years. I was just talking to CFO the other day. They have a solid expandable as well that they can never get to gain traction. And one of the first CFO, he asked me, he said, why did this technology never take off? And it, it was, it's really, I don't have an answer for it. I don't know why it didn't take off because it solves a very, I mean, common, yeah, very common problem in oil and gas, but it just, for some reason, it never took off. And this is when I kind of started seeing this with InVenture that oil and gas is slow to adopt new technology and they're, you know, just archaic and they move slow as dinosaurs. And I kind of started seeing that, you know, if InVenture had this trouble, which is a company that was started by Shell and Halliburton, I mean, it was started by two big players then other technologies would have trouble getting in, you know, breaking in and getting market share from oil and gas as well. So that was kind of when I first started getting my eyes opened up to it. Managed projects, Gulf of Mexico, all over the United States, foreign venture. Okay, so you've done onshore and offshore? I've done, yes, I've done both. I'm, okay. a, I'm a jack of all trades. Well, I'm a ginger of all trades. Are so. you? <laughs> ginger don't of let all the- trades. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what that means. but <laughs> Just don't let the red hair, hair fool you. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I've done both. Most of my experience is on land though. That's a, kind of the circle that I run in. I, I just think there's a lot more opportunity on land than there is offshore, even though offshore does have deeper pockets. So a lot bigger operations going out there. So yeah, just spent four years doing that and then decided it was time to go go on my own. I just turned in my two weeks notice. Didn't really have a, have a plan to be honest. I'd started talking to Mark LaCour, the owner of OGGN about coming on and doing a podcast. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go do podcasts. I'm gonna start up my consulting company, start up an oil company. And you know, for my oil company, I I kind of rewinded a little bit. I I got really involved in social media during my time, my last four years. Boy, have you. (laughs) We'll we'll dive into this a little bit because I don't tell this part of my story so much, but it is really interesting. I started growing Instagram pages and I grew some Instagram accounts over 300,000 followers. And through that, I met a lot of people out in Los Angeles who were heavily involved in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And so I started learning about blockchain technology. I started going heavy into it a couple of years ago. And I found that these guys were making a ton of money in cryptocurrency and they didn't know what to do with their money. So I was like, Hey, I've got oil and gas over here that you guys can invest in. And so that's the investors that I got into my oil wells. And I just started, I found this honey hole of these guys that had money, but no clue what to do after that. And also started seeing that nobody had a clue about oil and gas investments at all. Not, not just in the cryptocurrency space, but in the technology space. And so I started, I was like, man, if I could just get my message out there and teach people about oil and gas investing or oil and gas in general, seems like there's a huge interest for it outside. And there's also a lot of misconception as well, as I'm sure you know, you know, a lot of people have negative annotations for oil and gas that are not necessarily based on knowledge or sound advice. Yeah. So, so, um, started getting really involved in LinkedIn, putting out. I'm glad you did because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it right now. Just, just, it's only, it's only because we have a 
crap load of people that apparently work for us. Oh, OGGN. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a model. Yeah, we a, have all it, kinds it of It seems people. like every day you got a new position at OGGN, usually from overseas oh, somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn. It's kind of a love-hate relationship for me because LinkedIn is so powerful for me and my business. And I mean, just look at you know the happy hours that we've been doing with OGGN, how much mm-hmm. traction they've got on from LinkedIn. But at the same time, I don't want Mark LaCour to hear this, but LinkedIn's a Microsoft product and not a, not a big fan of Microsoft and it's very clunky and doesn't operate well. So, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of my story. So I've got this very unconventional business plan of where I use social media content marketing to get exposure and open up my pipeline for clients and also just meet. I mean, I can't tell you how many just good people I've met in the oil and gas business. You know, it seems like every day I've got five or 10 people reaching out to me to have coffee or lunch and I've been able to just really meet a lot of good people. And of course, yeah. And of course I follow you on social media and you're constantly meeting like other executives in the industry and just kind of blown away by. It's just wild. Yeah. It's wild. You know, people think social media is a game and it's not. And I have executives for these big oil companies and venture capitalists and private equity fund managers reaching out to me just because they see me post something. And I try to, this is what I hammer on a lot. I don't know if you saw or not, but I actually went and taught a uh, LinkedIn kind of workshop for these Navy SEALs and fighter pilots and Green Berets, all special forces that are looking to transition into just new careers. And I was just teaching them about if you just start telling your story and putting out content on LinkedIn, People see that people resonate with that and they'll just start reaching out to you. And it's just wild how many messages I get behind the scenes of very high level people wanting to meet with me just because they're interested. Like we, we see, we see you putting out stuff on LinkedIn. Nobody does that. What are you doing? And it just turns into good friendships. Well, and not only that, but I see, I had a couple of people on the show previously that have also the same, do the same thing you do and, and, and put out actual content that's valuable mm-hmm. uh, like jack hinton baker hughes yep. ge he's a huge proponent for it so is david reed with the nov i mean these guys are constantly posting yeah, david reed's a, a big marketing guy he knows <laughs> oh yeah 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 well he's chief marketing yeah, officer yeah, so yeah, if you're a cmo of nov then yeah you got a little insight to what works <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's something a message that i try to preach to everybody because it does open up opportunity and you know just like your podcast opens up opportunity you get to meet a lot of cool people and interview them it gives you a platform to put out content on and people don't understand that linkedin is a free platform to Mm -hmm. do that you don't have to go start up a podcast even though it's free to listen to yeah (laughs) it is free to listen to but there's just a lot of time and effort that goes into a podcast behind the scenes that a lot of people don't don't see And so there is that entry barrier into podcasting that it's time intensive. It does take some part of your time. Oh, it takes a whole lot of my time. Yeah, exactly. Not as much anymore, but. (laughs) All right. So we've established where you came from. We've talked about the challenges and issues. Mm -hmm. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? One piece of advice that I would give is never stop learning. That's one of the biggest things that I preach. Very important to me. I see a lot of people today, you know, we've, we've put secondary education, college degree up on this pedestal. And when people finish their course in college, they quit learning. And it's one of the biggest catalysts to making you unproductive for the rest of your life. 
if you think that you're, if you're not capable of learning anything else, you'll never progress. And I believe that every single day we have the ability to evolve and become a better version of ourselves. And for that reason, I'm constantly learning and I'm always humble as well because I know that every single person that I run across has something. They have one thing that they could teach me, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, I could run into someone. I'm like, man, their life's falling apart. I'm not going to do that. I just learned something not to do. Or if I'm sitting, you know, I just had a conversation. I was out in San Francisco last week with an extremely wealthy guy and was, you know, very humble to be in his presence and was just taking lessons from his life story that he was telling us. And that was valuable to be, and I was learning. I mean, I've got, you know, one of the biggest things that I tell people is I would spend 120 hours on a frack job, but I had a book with me at all times. And in between stages, you know, if the frack, if the frack crew broke down or they screened out instead of going to sleep or playing video games, like every other field hand does, I would sit there and read my book and knew that, I had a goal of what I wanted to achieve someday and to get to that goal, I'd have to be continuously learning. So I try to keep learning every day. I believe that confidence comes from knowledge. So if you're knowledgeable about a topic, then you can speak with confidence. So that's my biggest piece of advice for anybody is to always be learning and invest in yourself. Yeah. Isn't it a quote that's wise man learns from another people's mistakes while the fool learns from their own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, even people like yourself, I mean, you've given me regulatory advice on my wells, like blowing my mind. I'm like, I didn't know that. Okay. Or Mark LaCour giving me advice on uh, consulting, you know, you can leverage what other people know and it really shortens your learning curve to where you don't have to make those mistakes yourself. Because if you just make the mistakes yourself, it's going to be a long and painful, oh, painful life. So. very long and painful. <laughs> Speaking of regulatory, lots of fines. Lots of fines. Yeah, lots of fines. Those are painful. <laughs> <laughs> those are very painful. So speaking of books, which one influenced you the most? The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. So this book, I first read it when I was... Oh man, I don't remember how old that was, but it's kind of young. But the whole principle of the compound effect is that small daily decisions that we make compound over time. So for example, you could take someone that just drinks, you know, one Coke a day. That one Coke during that, that 24 hour period is probably not a big deal, but they drink that one Coke over six months to a year. It starts adding, you know, they start putting on a few pounds and that that's a really good analogy of how it works and every decision that we make impacts us whether it's positive or negative so we have full control of our outcome we just have to make the the right daily decisions and that book was such an eye-opener for me it's actually you know i very rarely drink now where as i used to you know in my younger days be just short of a raging alcoholic. You know? <laughs> was I, I used, used to be pretty wild. You know, I tell people there's not much to do out in Midland, Texas, except drill for oil and drink beer. So <laughs> that sounds pretty legitimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a good time. But yeah, so I pretty much quit drinking because of that book. And then I just started spending all of my time, you know, I got very focused on what my goals were. And, you know, now my goals are, I have, I have three kids and a wife, so I want to be a better father and husband. I'm very much into fitness and fighting, so I want to be a better fighter. And then, of course, business. And those are my three goals that I've always want to be working towards. So if I'm making a decision that doesn't make me any progress on one of those three things, then it's not a decision that I want to, I want to, or a course of action I want to take. 
So it's it's almost like the smaller things make up the bigger picture. Yes, exactly. Like a, a lot of people, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in the day to day and think that all oh, this little decision is not going to make a big difference, but it does in the big picture. And I tell you, like from a dieting, like I love donuts. I love pizza. And if I have, like, if I was to leave here and go have a donut, it's not going to affect me that much. But I just got my sweet tooth activated, you know, <laughs> yeah. now I'm going to want a donut tomorrow. And so if I start eating a donut tomorrow and then the next day, you know, you can see that you start really ingraining that habit and you start, it start negatively impacting me over time. So it's really a big book about building positive habits. Yeah. Yeah. And being a detail oriented person as I am, I, I, absolutely understand that. Yeah. You should read it sometime. It's a really good book. I'm going to have to look into that for okay. sure. I'll buy you a copy. Yes. You're going to read it. Yeah. Make you. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So what would you say is your most used business tool? Most used business tools, LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. I uh, had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've already, already touched base on it, but just what it's done for my business and my exposure in oil and gas is just off the charts. So definitely my uh, most productive business tool. But, you know, if you want to like talk about tools that I use on the back end of my business, Slack is <sighs> one of my favorites. I know you're not a big fan of Slack. I'm not a big fan of any of that. Stuff. <laughs> I, I was going to punch you if you were going to say Airtable. No. <laughs> so my wife's, the one, my like, wife's the one that's big on Airtable. I haven't <laughs> dove into Airtable yet. It looks powerful. I see the value, but I haven't <laughs> haven't got into it yet. It looks a little overwhelming for me. But yeah, I like quick communication, and I like just being able to integrate different online tools. So Slack and Flux and other communication tools that I use. So I like those. That's the encrypted version of yeah, Slack, Flux, basically. Yeah, Flux, the encrypted version. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit safer. Yeah, that makes me feel better. (laughs) I just, I just feel better by the name versus, you know, Slack. I'm just like, come on. I just want to know how they pick their names. You have Slack and Flock. It's like they just change one vowel and (laughs) change two letters here. Yeah. Mix it around. (laughs) So I don't know if this is necessarily applicable to you, but who would you say is your most respected competitor? Yeah, so... I wouldn't necessarily say it's a competitor, but someone in the oil and gas space that I really respect. There's two people, Daniel Rice from Rice Energy. They sold Rice Energy for $7 billion, you know, started it in their mid twenties. So really look up to them, respect them for what they did. And they just launched a $200 million VC fund. So like I said, not really a competitor, but you know, the fact that they have a company in my space is guess could be considered a competitor. Also, Brian Sheffield, CEO of Parsley Energy, youngest billionaire outside of technology. So really respect those guys for what they were able to do in the oil and gas EMP side. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say competitors, but definitely. So you got a, you got a model, you got a model for that rivers. I I, I do. Yeah. They're kind of, I got them up on a pedestal and I'm shooting for them. So good deal. Good deal. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? My most important lesson learned. Don't move your wife to Victoria when she's eight months pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, that that wasn't the biggest, biggest mistake that we made. Uh, (laughs) It it was a little rough when we did it. But one of my biggest lessons learned when I was 21, I started an oilfield energy service company. We were doing water hauling and went into business with one of my very good friends. And long story short, got screwed over. 
and that went sour really quick. I lost a lot of money in it. I was young, so it took me, you know, a little bit to bounce back from that. So really kind of got my first lesson of business and being able to trust people. And just because they're your friend doesn't mean that they're good business partners. So that was a very valuable lesson for me. And I'm glad I made it young and early. Would you also make sure you always have contracts in place? Exactly. Because exactly. friends and handshakes, they just don't always work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I still do business on a handshake, but I make sure that it's backed up by legal documentation. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that was my biggest lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. I've been there, done that. But the regulatory <laughs> usually kicks in and go, oh, contract. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So what's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is actually probably Joe Rogan's. Uh, oh, I love podcast. Joe Rogan. Yeah. I, what I like about it is, so I'm just big nerd when it comes to technology and science. And of course I like fighting, you know, I, I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo myself. So Joe Rogan kind of brings all of those yeah. onto his show. You know, it's got a little bit of everything. So yeah, I just like how it's very laid back, conversational with very smart people and just seeing what comes out of that conversation. It's easy for me to listen to. Yeah. And and he didn't just cover fighting. That's what I love most is he, he goes into depth about all kinds of stuff from Scientology to... Joe Rogan, he's extremely smart and just the uh, amount of information that he's able to store in his head. And he can have... Com I mean, he can bring on a physicist, an astrophysicist on a show show yeah. or bring in a professional fighter or, you know, some, you know, expert nutritionist and he can sit there and just have fluid conversation with them when they're talking about some very in-depth and technical things. And it just, it blows my mind. I have, so not only do I enjoy the, the information on a show, like I like being able to listen to him and it's just like, wow, how do you, how are you able to store all that information in your mind? Yeah. So. Cause my mind's starting to recycle stuff right now. I'm yeah. getting to that point where I'm like <laughs> information overload, recycle. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go through and cleanse some of the old information that's not relevant anymore. <laughs> exactly. The, the stuff I don't use yeah. all those <laughs> pizza delivery yeah, exactly. addresses. And yeah. It's like when you, you learn the uh, Pythagorean theorem and, geometry class and it's like man you don't use the oh yeah no that's been gone forever <laughs> yeah. all, all the stuff that you learned in elementary and junior high that they told you you'll use in real life and it's like oh, okay i don't yeah. need that anymore <laughs> yeah no i'm not gonna use that we got the internet yep okay so because i want my listeners to be well dressed and most importantly safe be sure to go to www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast i want a bulwark fr shirt and base layer no purchase necessary see official rules for details Thank you so much again for joining me, Colin. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Deep Rock Advisors, how might they go about doing that? The uh, best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Just search Colin McClellan or you can go to deeprockadvisors.com. Perfect. All right. So that concludes this episode. Just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. Yeah.